0: You know, I get, God speaks to me and shows me many things that we need to do, uh, things maybe even need to change in the message. And I, what came to me as we were singing, especially Waymaker, is how uh, Paul says, and I think it's First Thessalonians, he's commending them, he says, he says how, because you have received the word that I sent you, not as the word of man, but as the word of God. We don't come today to hear my ideas. I, I, I don't have any ideas of my own that, that, that I have them, but they're not good ones, that, that, that have, have changed my life for the better, let alone what I want to give my ideas to you. I fear God too much to, to come up here and give you my opinion. And it's not that it might not leak through at some time because I'm human, but it's not what I ever enga- de, 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 w- whatever endeavor to do And I spend time, especially Sunday morning, with my heart before God to make sure that whatever I speak to you is only God speaking to you. Because I'll have to give an account. This is why it says in James chapter 3, don't desire to be a teacher because you're going to have a greater judgment, a greater account that you have to give in that day of judgment in which we will all stand. And so I come before you, every time I come before you, Not scared, but with a holy reverence for the responsibility that God gives me. I say that to you because I just feel like that's what God wants to impress upon us. God wants to speak something to all of us today. To you personally, to me personally, as well as to this body. And God doesn't speak idle words. God speaks words because He knows, first of all, what's coming. And because God loves us, God will prepare us as I look back on things that God has worked into my life or is working into my life over the last really two years and the things that, I, that God had me speak to this congregation about over the last year, I can see that now as God's preparation for where we are now. See, God's always ahead of us. And so God's, if we will allow Him, God will prepare us for what is to come so that when we get to that place, he knows we're ready, and we can have confidence, therefore, that we're ready. When I stepped into this role, which I never planned to do 11 years ago, over 11 years ago, it was not something that was ever my ambition. And I went through 10 years of serving in a capacity, which was a serve, serving under, under the, my predecessor. And only when I stepped into this role did I understand some of the things that I went through were training me and preparing me to be in this role, and now I can see at this time. And so I'm saying that because I want to encourage you to listen. Listen as if your life depended upon it, because it may. It's just occurred to me again this year, I've said it before, that, 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 that our lives depend very often on where we go to church and what we hear. Because God is, we're in a world, and we're going to talk about this today, we're in a world that doesn't take any spiritual revelation to realize we're in a world that's dangerous. But it's not just... Dangerous physically, it's even more dangerous spiritually. And so we need to be under a covering and a protection, and that's what the church provides for us. So you get Christians out there that are lone rangers that are bouncing from one church to another because they're choosing what makes... Oh, I didn't plan to get into this this morning. They're choosing what they think they need to hear and what makes them feel good. So they're their own Holy Spirit. They have pushed Him aside and said, I need you to help me do what I think I need to do, which means they're not under a spiritual covering that especially in these times is so critical for our own protection. It doesn't mean that the pastor or the leader is any smarter or any more spiritual than anybody else. It's being under authority that God establishes because when we're willing to do that, we're also then under God's authority. When we're not willing to be under somebody's authority that God's put in our lives, then we're not under God's authority either. And we often deceive ourselves. Well, I'm, I'm not subject to any person, but I'm subject to God. That is impossible. Since God has ordained the authorities, for me not to be under a person's authority that God's put in my life means I'm not under God's authority because God's the one that put them there. And God's the one that said, listen. And I'm not saying that for my benefit. I I have to do the same thing. And so I did no plan to get into that this morning. But these are very critical times, and it's not the time to be out no dear. It's not the time to be out there as a lone ranger doing my own thing. And so it's very important that we stay lined up and where we need to be under God's word. So the words we're hearing now are not words of great comfort in the sense of, you know, everything's going to be great, God's going to come through and bless us all. They're comfort, first of all, because it's truth. I believe with all my heart, people are desperately looking for someone to tell them the truth. Because there's so much confusion out there with the media that we have surrounding us, with what's done with, our, with the news media, what's, what's done with so many other things. People don't know what they can trust. They don't know where, what is truth. And the only truth is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No one can get to the Father unless they come through me. So this is God's Word. This is the truth. And we've got to learn to come under this truth and be willing to receive this truth. And then this truth becomes a protection for us. It becomes a way for us. And it becomes God's life for us. All right, didn't plan to get into all that, but it's a good opening for what we're talking about. We began to talk several weeks ago about what's very obvious today, that we're living in a world right now that's being shaken. Institutions are being shaken, governments are being shaken, our our, our, our health system's been shaken, things that we've always trusted in. Well, scientists, they'll come up with answers, and, and our, our government's going to have answers, although we've not as much trust in that over the last few years as we used to have in the past. And, and, and people are going to take care of us, they're going to deliver us from all of this, and we're finding out expectations that many of us have had aren't coming true and it may look like as they may not come true. we went gone through a time when, when we had this initial burst of the pandemic and the fear of it and we all had to shelter down and then things began to relax and move and now we're finding in other parts of the country that it's coming back and, it's, and there, there are all kinds of opinions out there. And, and it, it's, it's, if, if that's where your trust is, you're shaken. And so we talked about God says in His Word in Hebrews chapter 12 that there's going to come a time, and I'm not saying this is the one He's talking about, there's going to come a time where God's going to shake the heavens and the earth, so that whatever can be shaken will be shaken, so that whatever remains is what's of God. And I'm not saying that what this is, but we clearly is a shaking, and those shakings are a time to wake up and realize, if things are shaken in my life, then I've built my life on the, trusting in the wrong things. And this is a wake-up call so we can begin to make that adjustment so that we can build our life on the things of God that cannot be shaken. Then we saw how Jesus, when He began his, near the end of His ministry, pulled His disciples aside, and He, he showed them the, the, the temple which to the Jews in, in Israel at the time, that, that's the very tangible evidence that the, that the kingdom of God that was Israel was unshakable because it was an enormous, beautiful, elaborate building made of stone. And I think it was like granite. I mean, it was an immovable thing. And it represents God's presence in Israel and in the world, God's presence And Jesus sits there and looks at it and tells His disciples there's going to come a time when every stone of that building is going to fall down because even that's going to be shaken. And in 70 AD, that's exactly what happened when Rome came in and they tore the temple down except for the wall that's remaining. So Jesus was preparing them of where to put their trust. And then we began to look at several weeks ago there's, a, there's a, many places in the New Testament where it talks about what happens if we overcome. And, and some of the last things Jesus says to the church are promises to the different churches, the seven churches, to he who overcomes, this is the reward you're going to get. So I think I counted, I think over 20 times in the New Testament where there's a warning or a promise about overcoming and with my lightning fast mind, it dawned on me after about number 19, maybe John, there's things we're going to have to overcome. Now the reason it's so important to hear this is because we're used to living our lives with just comfort and safety in this nation. Because we have everything we need, and you may not have everything you want, But compared to what other nations are dealing with right now, we've got everything we still need. I talked last week to Rob Grindley in Botswana. The the lines for getting gasoline are 23 hours long. Just to fill up your gas tank. And that's not the worst of all of it. So, my point is, we've lived a comfortable life here. Some of us may have been more comfortable than others, but we're comfortable compared to the rest of the world. We're comfortable compared to how people have lived in the past. And when we become comfortable, we become sleepy. It's like Thanksgiving Day. You don't want to loosen your belt and sit back and just... It's not the time to engage in battle. (laughs) We get sleepy. Sleepy. And that's where the church has been. So this is a wake-up call for us. I don't know what... I believe we are in a time when there's a change in the spiritual climate of what's going on. I believe that we're moving into another phase of what I've called a spiritual drama that's unfolding according to what God has already said in His Word is going to happen. I don't know where we are in that. I'm not a prophetic person, so I can't tell you that. It's just that what's happening is different. And that's the sense I've got. That's a wake-up call. Because we need to become alert, as, as Peter writes in First Peter, become, be sober. That doesn't mean don't drink alcohol. although well, you shouldn't. But I'm saying, be sober. Be alert. Be awake. Wake up. Realize where you are. And that's what Jesus was warning His disciples about. There are things we have to overcome. This is important now. Because we're now a number of months into this and what happens in the beginning there's this initial burst of all of, well, these changes and we're all kind of on alert and then we kind of settle into what people call the new normal and then we just become used to it and we forget how radically different this is from only what, five months ago that we would have come in here on a Sunday and it would be pretty much full we could hug one another we could greet one another know we have to wear masks and now it's so different It's a wake up call. Every time you see somebody's masked, realize things are changing. Things are changing. You say, Pastor, are you believing that things are not going to go back to the way they are? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm believing that what God's put us here to do is what we're going to finish, regardless of whether we wear masks or don't wear masks. So the point is, there are things we have to overcome. We began to look at the Bible. Jesus has prepared His disciples for how to do that. And that's what we began to talk about last week. We talked about what we're called to overcome is the world. And so what was this world we talked about? And we went back into the book of of Genesis, and we saw that when Satan came into the garden to destroy God's masterful work, what he did is he, 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 he deceived them, he deceived Eve, into rebelling against God by taking her, their lives and their, and their judgment of what's right and wrong into their own hands. And that's rebellion. It's rebellion for human beings to believe they're their own God. Because I didn't create myself, I don't control my life. We know we don't control our lives because just look at where we all are right now. That's part of what scares people I'm not in control. Well, guess what? We've never been in control. We can control some things in our lives, but we're not ultimately in control because we're not a God. We're not a creator. God is the creator of all things. And Satan deceived man into trying to take their lives into their own hands and establish themselves as kings over their own kingdom. And we've been doing it ever since. I want my way. My, my, mine. Just look at a two-year-old. in a a daycare center, you know it's mine, it's mine, it's mine and we're much more sophisticated about it but we do the same thing because ingrained in our fallen human nature is self it's all about me my mind even good things we do are often so that we feel good about ourselves and that's what we talked about last week what we're going to talk about this week is how do we overcome this we saw in Romans chapter 5 last week where, where Paul talks about that, that kingdom that Satan established and that he is known as the God of this world. And the God of this world, it was when we, another thing that, <clears throat> that went off in me during praise and worship is that we live in this illusion in this world that, that there are in this world now something like 7 billion individuals with different degrees of freedom from different nations wherever you live. That we're all a bunch of individuals living, some in China, some in Africa, some in, you know, South America, and not realizing that the real kingdoms are spiritual kingdoms, and there are only two. That none of us are living free. We're all members of some kingdom, some spiritual kingdom. That when this kingdom, when this earth, when this this realm is all passed away, those are the kingdoms that will remain. And every human being is either a member of the kingdom of Satan or a member of the kingdom of God. And when Satan came to this earth and then went into the garden, he went to establish his kingdom on this earth. And he started by recruiting that first man and woman. And you and I, when we were physically born, when our life was born into this world, we were born into his kingdom because he was the God of this earth. And Jesus came, we saw last week, as the second Adam. That where the first Adam rebelled and disobeyed God, the second Adam perfectly obeyed everything God told him to do. That's why Jesus said, I only only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. He was perfectly obedient. Even down to that last night in the garden when he was pleading with God, is there some other way? And he had to ultimately submit to the way that God had ordained. And now what happens is when we come to Christ, when we ask Him to come into His life, we change kingdoms. Colossians 1, 13. We read this last week. He has, notice that's past tense. He's writing this to the church. He has delivered us from the power. That word in Greek actually means authority or kingdom. He's, tra- he's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So when you came to Christ, you changed kingdoms. And when you changed kingdoms, you automatically changed kings. We were never the king over our life. Satan wants us to live with the illusion that we are, because as long as we live under the illusion that I'm the king over my life and I have my own rights, then we're authorizing Him to be the king over our lives. But when you came to Christ, you changed kingdoms. You were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. But we're still living in the world that's controlled by the king of darkness. We are what's often said, we are in this world, but the church is not to be of this world. There are many people in some religions that desire to serve God by withdrawing from the world, but that's not what the church is called to do. The church is not called to withdraw from the world, we're called to live out in the world and to bring the kingdom of God out into the kingdom of darkness so that they can see the light out of the darkness. That's what we're here to do. So we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. What does that mean? That means we don't have the world's value system. That means we don't have the world's language. That means we don't have the world's method of Thinking, that means we have the method of thinking of the kingdom that we belong to. That means we have the values of the kingdom we belong to. That means we speak the same language of the kingdom we belong to. I used the example last week of a spider, and I've never researched this. I read this in a in a book. The, of a spider that makes his home underwater, even though that's a foreign hostile environment for him because the, the, the spider breathes air just as you and I breathe air but what they do is they take bubbles of air that they collect on the water it sticks to their, their legs and they bring that down and they make a bubble in which they can, from which they can breathe it's kind of like somebody going under it's like the astronauts in the space uh, station Space is a hostile environment to a human being. But they're safe because they're in a space station. So that's what the church is like in the world today, which is why Satan's number one scheme against the church is to have us to be like the world. Romans 12.2, I ended last week with this. Paul talks about this. He says, do not be conformed to this world. He's talking to the church. Don't let the world conform you. And I explained to you last week, the word conform there is a Greek word that was used to refer to a mold that was used to take a piece of metal and when they made coins, they would take a piece of copper or whatever they used and they would have a mold with the face of Caesar on it and they would press that down on the outside of that metal with such pressure that the outside of that piece of metal now was the negative reflection or the negative imprint of the mold that was pressed down it. The mold didn't change the copper into some, other, into some other metal, it just changed what it looked like. And so Paul's saying this world's pressure, this world's system is putting pressure on Christians so that we look like on the outside, we talk like On the outside, we act like on the outside, just like the rest of the world, because then the world can't see what's really on the inside, which is the kingdom of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of God. So we're not to allow this world's pressure, and I'm sharing this because we're under pressure right now. People are under pressure pressure right now, and we began talking about this, the way we overcome the pressure isn't by fighting back against the pressure, that, oh, I never thought of this before, that just makes a deeper imprint on it. If I push back against the pressure pushing on me, it just makes a deeper imprint on me. Then how do we overcome it? And this is what he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform there is a different Greek word, and I mentioned this last week. We get the word "metamorphosis" from it. What it means literally in the Greek, at the very root of it, it means to take the inner nature of something and to bring it to the outside so that everybody on the outside can see what that inner nature is really like. And a caterpillar that goes through the transformation process into a into a caterpillar, is it, into a butterfly is a typical example. But when Jesus was on the mount of transfiguration, it says his body was transfigured. It's the same word. His inner glory, his inner nature began to shine to the outside so that Peter, James, and John could see his glory on the outside because that's what that word means. So the the kingdom of God that's been placed inside of you, God's left us here so that will come to the outside so others can see the hope that we have. Others can see the joy that's in this kingdom. Others can see the peace that's in this kingdom in contrast to the panic and the fear and the discouragement and the despair that's in the world in which we've been placed. But how does that happen? Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. It means changing how we think about things. Changing how we think about these things. I've used this example before when I taught a course here on renewing the mind. That when, when I went to law school, and we've got some other lawyers here, when I went to law school, in the law school I went to, they don't basically teach you the law, they teach you how to think a certain way to analyze things a certain way. So that if you were to come into my office and say, you know, somebody did so-and-so to me, and they treated me wrong, and they said these bad things about me, got in the newspaper, I'm not listening to your story with great sympathy about, oh my goodness, we ought to do something about this. I know that in order to, to win a case for you, there are five elements I have to be able to prove to the judge. So while you're telling your story, I'm listening to whether these five elements are there and can be proven. So it's a training of how I look at things in terms of a pattern that I was trained to think in. And this is what the word renewing our mind means. We need to learn to take how God sees what's going on in this world and change the way we think about it to the way God thinks about it. What does God say about this? And when I learn to do that, that will allow what's on the inside of me to begin to come out. And look what's at stake. That we may prove to the world what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. All right. So our life in a Christian, I've heard it described this way, I think. uh, So we can't look at the issues of this life based on what we think or what's popular or what's popular on Facebook I've got to look at the issues of this life and this is what I endeavor to do the social issues that are going on right now alright there are a lot of voices speaking but I've got to go and see what does, God, what does God say about this because that's all I can think if I'm going to allow the kingdom of God that's in me to influence the world and that's what we're here to do so we can't look at the issues of the life the way the world sees them, and I heard I heard Jerry Seville. Some of you know he give this example. It's the best one I can think of. It's like well, it's like when when we're saved, uh, when we're saved, when, me, when we're born into this world as a person, human being, and, and you were born as a human being, weren't you? Yeah. Just make sure you're awake. That's okay. All right. This world has a flow to it. It's like a river that has a flow to it. We were uh, eating yesterday. Uh, our daughters in town. We were eating yesterday down on the uh, on the, the Barrington River, in a, in a restaurant, and, uh, uh, and, and there's a very strong current there. Well, I remember years ago we had my son and I had a had a small boat, and I I rented a, a boat slip uh, to put the boat in. And well, I'd never done this before, and, and I, we got the boat out there, and, the, and the, there's a very strong current heading, and and the currents go in the same direction as the tide. It's all going south, and I'm trying to get this boat to go north, and not only get to north, then I got to turn right, east, and I got to fit it into the slip while the river's going the other direction, and I found that was not so easy. I made a number of mistakes trying to do that, and it, because this world is headed in a direction, and every system in this world, every value in this world everything in this world is headed in a direction, and we were born into this world, we're floating down the same river in the same direction. To show you how far off this is getting, I saw last week that in the this, in this city of Somerville, Massachusetts, their town council voted to legalize polygamy. That's already been done years ago in, in, uh, in, in Holland. Because where do you draw the line when you start moving away from God's standards? Where, where, where do you decide to stop? And so the river's going down and you're floating down. When you get saved, now you've repented. Repent just means you turn around. So you've turned around in a river that's going this way, but the kingdom of God's going that way. So now what we have to do is we begin a life journey of rowing back against this current that's going this way. So it's always trying to pull us. This world's always trying to pull us in a direction and it takes effort. You have to first realize my destination's not where this river's going. My destination is where is up here. So I have to consciously do things to be moving in the direction of the kingdom of God and recognizing that everything that comes at me in this world is naturally naturally flowing in the other direction. So I I shouldn't be surprised that it takes work. I shouldn't be surprised that it takes discipline, because if I just sit in this boat, in this river, and do nothing the way most Christians do, I'm going to just float down the river the wrong direction. So I've got to row. I've got to every day get up in the morning, and I've got to open my Bible. And I gotta pick up the oars. And I've gotta begin to exercise, especially when I don't feel like it. I gotta begin to pray and meditate when I don't feel like it, because that's where the strength comes to row upstream. Because only in this word and only in the spirit do I see that direction and that goal. I don't see them if I just look around me. If I just look around me, there are a bunch of Christians floating on inner tubes saying, How you doing? Why don't you come with me? Get on Facebook. They're going this direction also, because they're not realizing where it's headed. We're in a world that's going that direction, and we're called to lead people in this direction. Jesus began His ministry by making this clear to them. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13. Enter the kingdom of God by the narrow gate. This is Jesus speaking at the beginning of His ministry. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that's easy, but it leads to destruction. What's at the end of this water flow is a water fall into eternity. And the natural flow of this world is in that direction because Satan's still the God of this world. He's the God over the systems of this world. He's the God over the values of this world. He's the God over this world until Jesus comes back and establishes His kingdom on the earth. So we're here to push in the other direction against a flow, and that's why he's warning his disciples at the beginning, because he's finished up. He, the, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus announcing to his followers, these are the principles of the kingdom of God that I've come to announce. This is the constitution of the Kingdom of God. It talks about relationships forgiveness. forgiving, it talks about worshiping God, it talks about giving, it talks about prayer, it talks about all kinds of things that are the principles of the kingdom of God, which are just the opposite of the principles of the kingdom of this world. And now he ends and says, "Oh, you have to understand this. The only way you can get into the kingdom of God is through a narrow gate. For wide is the gate. The easy gate. You can bring everything you want through all your relatives, all your possession. You can bring it all through there. It's easy. The only problem is where it heads. It leads to destruction. And many are they who go in by it. Next verse. But narrow. The word narrow in Greek means squeezed. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, rowing. Difficult is the way that leads to life. I told you several weeks ago, uh, there was just one day, it wasn't just one, but the several days where just everything just seemed to be coming in on me. Both here, you know, family things, all kinds of things, just... Nothing was going. Everyone says nothing goes right. Right? Even the dog didn't like me. (laughs) And when Molly doesn't like me, that's (laughs) that's kind of the last straw, Lord. And I'm walking in here. I'm thinking, God, I'm going to be 75 in another month or so. I've been doing this a long time. I've fought through so many battles, Lord. It seems like everything is a battle, Lord. I just, I said, God, this is hard. And I felt so clearly in me, the Holy Spirit said, so. I didn't get any sympathy. I didn't hear him say God. I, God say, I understand, John. It's hard. And they said to me, I didn't put you in an easy place. I put you in a place that's hard because there's some things I want to do, and I need you to be strong. So shape up. And the moment I heard that, it all went away because that's all self pity. When we're uh, there's a statement in in, in Oswald Chambers. Wonderful devotion, my utmost for His highest. Where he says, discouragement is simply discouragement is is, is disenchanted self-love. We're disappoint, disappointed in ourselves. We're disappointed with our life. We're disappointed things didn't happen the way I want to happen. I told you this wasn't going to be a jump up and down shout message, but it's truth. If we want to overcome the first thing we have to learn to overcome is self. Because the root of every problem we have is self. It's kind of like Snoopy said, I found the enemy. It's us. (laughs) It's me. All right. So Jesus is saying, he's warning them ahead of time. At the end of his ministry in John chapter 15, he says essentially the same thing. If the world hates you, you know it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. See, what Jesus was about to do, Jesus was about to leave them in the world, but make them aware they're not of the world. So he was giving them instructions for the position he was putting them in, which is the same position he's put us in. If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So when the world loves us, we need to be careful. Why does the world love us so much? But I chose you out of the world. The word church in Greek is ecclesia, which literally means those who have been called out of one thing into something else, that's what the word church means Peter calls us a holy nation a royal priesthood, that we should call forth the praises of him because you were not of this world but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you This this is his send off speech Remember the word I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept me, they'll keep you also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they don't know him who sent me. I'm going to have to shorten this down. So he ends his ministry by preparing them for this. So how can we do this? How can we bear up under the pressure that he, He's leaving us in? He's put us in this pressure. Well, Jesus, through John 14:15 and 16, is preparing them exactly for this. So let's look at John 14. We can only do little pieces of this here this morning. John 14:9. Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you so long and you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So Jesus is telling them, Don't you realize, Peter, Or don't you realize, Philip, the way I've been able to survive and resist and do these things? It's not me that's done it. It's the Father who lives in me who's done this. I showed you in the very beginning... Of this series, how the apostle Paul talked about how he went through the challenges that he went through. He went through times when he was discouraged, but he wasn't in despair. When he was pressed down, but he wasn't dis- he wasn't destroyed. He went through the pressures that affected him, but they didn't stop him. They didn't move him. They didn't shake him. And we saw the reason was because he was aware. I didn't read it in Luke 17. Jesus, yeah, let's go there quickly. And so you should have it. Luke 17, verse 20. Now he was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God going to come? we're talking about. What's unshakable is the kingdom of God. And he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It's not something that you will see. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. I said earlier, I wrote you scriptures. That when you receive Christ Jesus, God changed you into a different kingdom. But He didn't pick your body up and move you to another planet. He changed the kingdom that was inside of you. So the kingdom of God is not out around here. It's in you... And in me, that's why it's so important that we not allow the pressures of this world to conform us to look like the world. Because then Satan will succeed in maintaining keeping the kingdom of God shut up inside of us. That's why the world wants us to shut up and not speak. That's why they want to get this Bible out. They hate this Bible because it's God speaking. So the kingdom of God is in you, right now, sitting there half asleep, <laughs> wondering how you're going to face tomorrow. God's kingdom, God's kingdom is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to do God's at God's at work in us. So we're facing the pressures of this world, we're facing the uncertainty of the world with the kingdom of God in us. The world needs that kingdom to come out. To come outside of the four walls of the church. To come outside of us. So if Satan can keep us worried about where we're gonna, whether we're going to get sick, if Satan can keep us worried about whether this pandemic's going to end, if Satan can keep us worried about all this stuff, then he's putting the pressure on us to keep the kingdom of God shut up, shut up inside of us. He couldn't stop you from getting saved. He couldn't stop the kingdom of God from coming within you. So this next plan is to stop it from coming out so it doesn't affect anybody else. This is what's at stake. Uh, Back to John 14. Let's go to verse 15. If you love me... So Jesus has just said, the way I did these things... The way I came, the way I resisted temptation, because, because God the Father was living in me, and He was doing these things through me. So now He's preparing them that He's going to leave. And His is His comfort He's giving them. Verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. Notice the word another. There's two different Greek words that are translated Another one of them means another of a different kind and this one means another of exactly the same kind so Jesus is saying I'm going to ask the father and he's going to send a replacement for me that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him why? because he has been dwelling with you How is he dwelling with them? In Jesus. And he will be in you. So Jesus is saying, the same way that I was able to overcome everything that came against me from the world, you'll be able to overcome the same method because I overcame it because the Father in me did the work. You can overcome it because I'm going to send my spirit and his spirit to now live in you, empower you, enable you, strengthen you, give you what you need. Let's go to verse 27. Peace I give you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, nor the, not to, give, to give you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus was giving them his peace. If there's anything we need in this world today, it's the peace of God. The Bible says that passes understanding. Why? Because it doesn't make sense how can we be so peaceful in all this chaos because we're not of this world if all the system of this world fall apart that doesn't affect us because we're not of this kingdom there's an old expression the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away the kingdom of God is in us this is the renewing of the mind when I get up in the morning to start rowing my boat upstream wait a minute I'm in a rowboat and God's in the rowboat with me. I got the Holy Spirit. He's taking the oars when I get tired. When I don't know which direction I'm going. He's there. He's my captain. He's my... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name. He leads me beside still waters. God's put His kingdom in you. Everything you need to overcome is in you. In me. In the church. All right, so how do we do this? John 15 Verse 5 Again, John 14:15 and 16 is Jesus preparing his disciples for this amazing change that's about to take place. He's been their comfort, he's been their direction, he's been their protection, he's been everything to them, and he's leaving them, and he's not just leaving them, he's now created a situation that's hostile, and he's leaving them in the hostile situation. That's the way some of us feel sometimes, it's like, God, you put me here, where are you? <laughs> I remember hearing Lester Summerall one time, God told him to, to build a building and and, and he, was, he sat down at the closing to sign the note. And he looked at me and says, God, they don't want your signature, they want mine. <laughs> if you don't come up with the money, they're not taking your house, they're taking my house. It's like, sometimes we feel like that. And Jesus, but he, he said, I will not leave you as orphans, for I will return to you. I don't believe when He said, I'll return to you, He meant His physical return to the earth. I believe He meant the Spirit of God that He was now going to send from the Father to live in us 24 hours a day. That's why He said, it's to your advantage that I leave. And they couldn't understand that. It's better that He's not walking among us? Why? Because then you've got to go to where He is. He's in us. And as the world begins to see... People that love one another with a love that's unlike the world's love that we see out there. When we see people that, 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 that are not afraid, of people that are at peace in the middle of chaos, it gets their attention. I've told you before, working in a law firm in Tulsa one time when we were still in Bible school, the senior partner's daughter came up to me and she says, what do you have that I don't have? And it kind of took me back. I wasn't expecting that. I said, what do you mean? She says, I, I know what you're going through right now, And you have something I don't have. I said, why? She said, there's a piece you have. So I said, do you really want to know? She said, yes. So I took her into the library and I explained, it's not something I have, it's someone who lives in me. And she just wasn't ready yet. People see the difference. That's why we're to be a light in the world. But the light doesn't come from you. It comes from Him, the kingdom of God that's in us, letting that light shine. But we have to renew our mind every day to this is what's in us because everything that comes at our five senses comes from this world out here and it's all telling us just the opposite. You're alone. You're not going to make it. They don't have any answers because the world's flowing in this direction. So we have to pick up our bibles. We have to begin to meditate on God's word. We have to renew our minds. I woke up at 4:20 this morning. The thought of I got to go to work today. I need to go back to sleep. But I started meditating on some scriptures that I had, just lying in bed, meditating on these scriptures. So instead of thoughts of fear coming in, the word began to take over in my mind and God began to show me things and began to go over just one scripture over and over and over again, talking it to myself so I wouldn't wake my wife up, just talking to myself. And the next thing I was, ready to go charge hell with a water pistol. No circumstances had changed, but I was renewing my mind and in renewing my mind I was picking up the oars at 4.20 in the morning Begin to row uphill row against the stream row against the stream row against the stream and Satan will tell you you're getting tired you know you've been doing this long enough yeah you know right I think I'll take a break just float back down the river again because it's always flowing in that direction but this is why we need one another because when one of you gets discouraged and tired we need to come back sometimes come on take those oars up I'll help you And if you're really tired, here, I'll grab a rope and we'll pull each other along. This is why we need one another so desperately, because alone we'll get tired, alone we'll get discouraged, alone we'll get weary, alone we'll lose sight of where we're going. I can't tell you the times on a Sunday morning that I just was tired, just tired of the fight, tired of all this stuff. And to walk in the door over here and I see one of you kind of just seeing your face, or right now just this much of you, seeing your face. I said, yeah, I'm not alone. I'm not in this alone. Anita was talking with a friend of hers in another part of the country, and they're going through some of the same stuff that we were going through. And just the fact that other people are rowing against the same thing means I'm not alone. We need one another to help with the rowing. So I'll end with this, John 15 this is the instructions this is, the, this is what Jesus is telling them this is how you'll overcome I am the vine verse 5 and you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him <clears throat> bears much fruit for without me or apart from me you can do nothing If anyone abides, does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, throw in the fire, and they burn. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so be my disciples. As my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. We'll pick up more on this next week, but I just want to end with this. He explains that this relationship that He has with us of the vine and the branch is how we will overcome. It's how He overcame because He had the same relationship with the Father. In John 17, He prays that the same union that He has with the Father that we would realize that we have with Him. So what does it mean to abide? Why is that so critical? I'm going to end with this example. I've used it before, but it's just the clearest example I can think of. Last year... At the end of August, I fulfilled the promise i 'd made to my wife years before is to take her to england we 'd never been over there she 'd never been over she 'd never been uh, in Europe at all and so uh, and we 'd never flown obviously never flown across the, the ocean the pond and so uh, we went we went to, to, to Logan Airport and uh, we waited for the plane we got on the plane they got in our seats you know and it 's all settled in it 's about about six six and a half hour flight. And, um, uh, and we're there. And so, you know, they give you all the preliminaries and we left Logan Airport about 8.30 at night and we get up in the air and we just, you know, she went to sleep. I don't sleep very well in airplanes, you know. And I don't know, a couple of hours out, I noticed we have a TV screen in front of us. Everybody does. And I, I, I like to play with things, so I'm playing with the TV screen. And, find out. and I found out, I could find out there was a map that showed us where we were. And then I pushed another button and it told us what the temperature was outside and what our altitude was and what our speed was. We were going over 500 miles an hour. It was 40,000 feet in the air, and it was 76 degrees below zero outside. I don't know about you, I can't exist at 76 degrees below zero, there's no way I can get at 40,000 feet, and if I could, I couldn't live because I can't breathe at 40,000 feet. And I certainly can't go 500 miles an hour. And I can't go... I was thinking this this week. There's no way in myself, on my own, I can go from Boston to London on my own. I can't drive there. I can't swim there. On my own effort. I have to use... I have to get in something that will get me somewhere I can't get on my own. On my own... In this earth right now, there is a force, like the force of that river, there's a force called gravity that's pulling us down, that's holding us down. We've seen pictures of men on the moon where the gravity, the, gravity, the force of gravity in the moon is one-sixth of what it is here. And they're bouncing all over the place. They're much freer. One of them had a golf club and hit golf balls, you know. And it's like, but, but, but on this earth, where God's put us, there is sufficient pressure holding us down. So there's no way I could jump up to 40,000 feet. But if I got in the plane, the plane can take me places I can't go on my own. If I got in the plane, the plane has the ability to overcome the force of gravity and lift us up to 40,000 feet. I can't survive at 76 degrees below zero or 56 degrees below zero or below zero at all but inside the plane I was safe inside the plane we could go places and do things on, inside the plane that we couldn't do on our own the plane because we were in it enabled us to overcome gravity the environment the temperature and the limitations that we had. Now, wouldn't it be stupid if I decided, you know what? I don't like this plane. I'm going to get out of this plane somewhere over Labrador. And Jesus said, if you abide in Me. If you abide in Me. See, if we abide in Him then whatever he can do... That's why Jesus said... "Whatever I, Paul says, I'm strong in the Lord. And I'm strong because I'm in the Lord and the power of His might. I can do all things because I'm in Christ who strengthens me. I could go to London and because I was in the plane that enabled me to go to London. So Jesus is teaching them our focus has to renew our mind... That we're, see, and we'll talk, I can't get into this much more. We'll talk more about this next week. How do I do that? How do I live my life in Christ instead of separate from Christ? We'll pick up here next week. So if you want to know, come back. And I'm telling you, this, in this day and age, is critical. Because there are too many people with their arms hanging out the window of the airplane There're too many people who are trying to hang on to, oh trying to hang on to the plane without abiding in the plane. And that plane will go places you can't go if you're hanging on to the outside of the plane. You've got to make sure you're in the plane. Or you'll stay at Logan Airport and the plane will pass you by. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your wonderful love and provision. Everything we need that we're going to need, that we need today you have abundantly provided for us. But Father we confess we so often miss it because we're either not looking for it or we've not spent enough time communing with you or in the word so that we miss when you're telling us what your provision is. We've relied far too much on the arm of our flesh and upon our own reasoning. And Father, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to grow up, and I believe that's what you're telling us. I pray today, Father, that as we hear these words, all of us, including me, we will. you will help us to wake up that there is an answer that you have. And that answer is right here. It's available to us. Every one of us has the answer available to us. Thank you that you have been watching over us. You have been protecting us. You have been guiding us in many ways we don't even realize because you're a good father and because you're so faithful. And so we pray now, Father, as we prepare to go back out into this world that you've sent us into, that you would help us to be more and more aware of the kingdom that's on the inside of us Help us to be more disciplined and determined, Father, to take the Word of God and begin to build it into our lives so that it may be the strength for us to row upstream. And we thank you so much for the grace, the grace that you extend towards us through Christ Jesus. For these things we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close the service,